And now the show that's all about real estate and a little bit about everything else. Hosted by two guys that are too embarrassed to admit in public how long they've been investing in real estate. It is the Investor Guys podcast with host Bill Barnett and Kevin Mills. And welcome to a Thursday edition of the Investor Guys podcast. How you doing, Mr. Barnett? I am doing well, sir. Good to see you. Like the new background? Yeah, it's just kind of a different version of uh, what I had before. I'll probably flip-flop back and forth. So And kind of, it has a spacey kind of look since uh, Shatner went up in space yesterday. And, Today. Uh, yeah, yesterday. <laughs> Captain Kirk went up into space, yeah. Hey, Guy, you got me. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> So it looks kind of got that spacey look to it. What do you got on the agenda today, sir? You told me you had some uh, foreclosure information. I do. uh, You found rather entertaining. Uh, So let's let's share that and uh, discuss that today. And uh, while we're at it, because we uh, the last show we, we we talked about the importance of knowing what you're doing. Let's point out that. Not everybody who is selling a program knows what they're doing or has your best interest at heart. Um, And I'm not saying everybody else is bad and we're great. What I'm saying is, is before you sign up for anybody's program, make sure you know what you're getting. Make sure you know what they're teaching you. Make sure you know what you're going to learn and whether or not it's going to be valid and important and something you're going to be able to act on immediately. Because I'll tell you what, if you take a class and you don't go out and you don't immediately start getting on it, chances are that class isn't going to matter. It's just going to be history. That doesn't mean you're not going to start, but what will probably happen is you'll take another course somewhere else down the line that will motivate you to get started. So unless this is going to be the impetus that is going to make you get off your butt and actually be a real estate investor, think twice about it. So, All right. So CoreLogic, which is a, a, a big information uh, data company for the real estate world, came out with their report. This is as of the end of July. So everything's running um, not quite 90 days, but certainly 60 days behind to get all these things tabulated and put together. And July, of course, was the end of um, the rent moratorium and, and foreclosure moratorium. And people said, man, things are just going to go crazy. So the next report will be very interesting as well. But there were some uh, key points here that I thought were just absolutely uh, terrific. of all mortgages in the U.S. were in some stage of delinquency. So when we had a a report that we did, oh, in the last couple of months, where they talked about the the flood of foreclosures coming. And in that one, they said that all of the uh, homes that were in foreclosure at that particular time was 4%. It's 2.2 million homes. Uh, And... Certainly 2.2 is a big number, but when you look at how big our country is, uh, it's 4%. It's, it's um, noticeable, but it's not earth shattering or market changing uh, as far as that. So we're up two tenths of a percent from that last report. Um, and it says also that this represents uh, almost a 3% decrease in the number of delinquencies from July of 2020 when we peaked at six and a half percent, overall delinquencies um, remain above where we were 
pre-pandemic, uh, which that doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, but the early stage delinquencies, these are properties that are 60 days or less. So they got to get to 30 days before it registers at all, before it, it ticks on the meter. Uh, but these are, so they're 30 days, but they're less than 60 days. Uh, they're currently at 1%. That's down from 1.5% from a year ago. Um, adverse delinquency. So this is, they're now 60 days and uh, 60 to 90. That's 3%. That's also down uh, from July of 2020. And then what they refer to as seriously delinquent, which is anything over 90 days. Um, is at 8%, uh, so 8% of the total number of properties that are currently in foreclosure are in this seriously delinquent. These are the ones that are most apt to end up in foreclosure. 93% uh, of all of these properties that go into delinquency and some form of foreclosure end up getting called up. So... And, and keep in mind, when, when you first started, for the rest of you, when Bill first started this, he said this is in some stage or another. So this means that the bank may be in the in the, the first stages of calling this note. It doesn't mean that it's going to necessarily end up on the steps at the courthouse. This is in all the different various forms of foreclosure from pretty much start to finish, from the first notice that the bank gives until the property is actually sold or taken back by the bank. Uh, so when you consider all of that, when you consider that entire time span, 4.2%, again, it's a large number, but it really isn't that significant yeah. comparing it to our, our, our nationwide uh, housing inventory. And again, that's 4.2% in all the different various stages of foreclosure. And so to, be, the to be fair, last year, Last year, we were predicting that there was going to be a flood of foreclosures. So we weren't telling, telling you guys to run right out and do this, but we were saying, you know, this is something that could be happening. This is something to keep an eye on. This is something that uh, the, the Fed is setting up a, a, a pattern for. Um, so I can see how a lot of people would expect to, this to have happened, but this is where it's important to pay attention to what's actually going on in the market and not speculate and not just assume that talking heads like Bill and I, or like anybody else are, are going to be 100%. You have to look at the information and the market for yourself, feel that market out and, and make those decisions for what's going to work for yourself. We're up on a break, Bill. So let's take a quick break. And yeah, I know you've got a lot more to say when we get back. All right, you ready? Yep. Ready? Yep. And we are back and uh, we're talking about foreclosures today and the projected and perspective and actual foreclosures uh, and, and how those numbers actually match and meet up and don't match and meet up based upon what different people were projecting over the last couple of years. And Eric, to be honest, it's it's easy to see how a lot of people, including ourselves, expected there to be a lot of foreclosures as we get into this time of this particular year. And that's not to say that things won't change in the next next couple of months, because this market has gotten crazy, super, super crazy since January. Uh, I've never seen so much 
change politically and economically in such a short period ever in my life. Yeah, I didn't live through yeah. the Great Depression, but that would be the only other time I could see something this quickly happening uh, overnight, essentially. Um, yeah. We went from gas that was lower Prosperity. than yeah. last year to gas that's, you know, $5.42 $5. is what I heard it was in Santa Monica yesterday. Wow. So yeah, we uh, in the blink of an eye, we went from massive prosperity to massive insanity, and and you know the the great thing about it is the bulk of Americans um, are smart enough to figure it out and know what's going on and know what has happened, um, and more and more people are waking up to, gee, uh, this is uh, really the mafia, uh, the political mafia uh, up there, and and. Uh, Let's go, Brandon. I, anyway, yeah, yeah. I was laughing about that. I, I saw another clip of that today, uh, cracking up earlier this morning. So now here's here's something that uh, I think still is going to be a a much bigger percentage based on what um, the cabal in D.C. does, and it is this: there's still been no resolution to the 54 billion dollars of rent that was set aside. Um, so I keep listening for, you know, what's going to happen there where well, they're just not talking about it. Just, I haven't seen anything on it. Uh, so that being the case, um, those properties, those rental properties, uh, very likely uh, could be a significantly larger percentage of the foreclosure market. It's not going to drive the number higher. It's just going to be that the bulk of foreclosures will very possibly end up being centered in that rental market uh, for single family homes. So the share of mortgages that are at some stage of the foreclosure process, this is referred to, it's a little bit different stat that refer to this as the foreclosure inventory rate is currently at 2%. And that's down uh, from July of 2020. And this is what uh, cracked me up. This is the lowest foreclosure rate recorded since CoreLogic began compiling this data in 1999. So uh, even though there's this been all this massive gloom and doom about foreclosure uh, at the current rate, and should it change going forward? Well, yeah, this is through the end of July. So it'll, it'll should get heavier. We shouldn't see anything dramatic, but it'll get heavier. Um, and then the um, transition rate, which is the number of mortgages or the share of mortgages that have transitioned from um, 30 days on into now they're past 60. Uh, and that is at 6%. And again, that's another number that is down from July of last year. And this declining delinquency levels are an encouraging sign of economic improvement and durability of the housing market. You know, this is where our economy lies, is in the real estate market. It's significantly bigger than the stock market. You hear me say that all the time because it is. Um, and also because the stock market, no matter how involved somebody may be in the stock market, it is not a necessity. There is, you could go the rest of your life. I haven't bought a single stock uh, it took me three years to uh, get rid of my portfolio after I got out of the industry in the late 90s. Uh, and 
I haven't lost a second sleep worrying about, oh gosh, I should go buy a stock. No, could care less. Now, you can do that and it not impact your life at all. And it really not have any impact on our country, but you gotta live somewhere. Housing is a necessity for ourselves and for our families. That's the, the huge difference between it and the stock market. And it's why the real estate market, both in size and necessity, drives the economy. And if you look at all of the things that are associated with the real estate market uh, and the, the housing industry, uh, it, it touches just about every industry uh, out there. As so, Bill can uh, tell at- you, the, the indicators that, that market analysis uses for where our market is going is our housing market and what they call durable goods. And durable goods would be washing machines, refrigerators, uh, appliances, but also cars. Now, all of that right now is helter-skelter because they can't, they don't have enough of those because they're waiting for semiconductors, which are the microchips that they use for the electronics boards, for everything from the cars to dishwashers, to refrigerators, to washing machines, to everything. Okay. So it's hard to gauge that durable goods sale right now because everything has just gone wonky. They don't even have enough of those durable goods to sell right now for people who want them. So it's hard to put that kind of a a factor into place. Uh, But the other thing that we look at is housing. Okay. Housing is something that if people have the ability to purchase, they're going to purchase. If not, they end up being renters. So if we see people purchasing houses, buying houses, instead of the market being stale and stagnant, that means that our economy is still moving. Now, I'm not going to let Biden off the hook because he's really screwed up our economy. But as of right now, okay, our housing market is strong. But we have, and we've done shows on it actually already, we've seen it cooling off, literally, just from when we, we started giving stats at the beginning of the summer to literally a month ago, uh, Bill had stats that showed that the market was cooling off and we're seeing that cooling off. This is a traditional time when it's going to happen going into the summer. But for Bill to have had those stats, that means it had to have happened earlier in the year. So keep that in mind. Uh, We've got a break coming up. Bill's got some more to say. And I want to talk about how this points out to us not being a one-trick pony, uh, which we've talked about before. We'll be back in a minute. And we are back. Okay, Bill, I I didn't mean to interrupt you there on that last segment. (laughs) Not uh, pick up where you left. Not a a problem at all. And really, um, so according to the latest estimates, from the Mortgage Bankers Association, approximately 1.3 million homeowners are currently in forbearance. Uh, so they have something has happened, and and they've crossed the line. They're in forbearance. While uh, CoreLogic continues to see serious delinquencies at an improving rate, approximately 1 million people nationwide have been unable to make payments for at least six months. All right, so. 330 million citizens, a million of them have been unable to make payments for at least six months. So not a great stat, but also not the end of the world kind of stuff. So yes, um, for those that would like to defend uh, Uncle Stupid and say that, well, you know, the housing market is still going strong um, as if he had anything to do with that, the housing market was so strong uh, under the previous administration, uh, it has carried on. Uh, 
uh, and it has uh, done that. Now, uh, you and I both believe that uh, it's going to change and that it would have changed anyway uh, because it is time for the cycle to come back around. I think um, the danger that we have for the housing market is just like we had when Obama was in. And it's the danger of the government feeling like this is another industry that they need to be involved in so they can screw it up. They don't think of it as that. They think they're actually um, doing some kind of good, but they end up, uh, the further they stay away from uh, businesses and markets, the better off businesses and markets are. And so um, Obama delayed the recovery from the recession of 08 because they stepped in. And if they had not have stepped in with um, all that infusion of money that really went nowhere, uh, but to the big banks, uh, it was payoff money, uh, if, if you really look at it. But uh, if they had not done that, the real estate market would have recovered about 18 months sooner. And so that's the thing that we have to be uh, on our toes about with uh, things that are going forward in the real estate market right now. Does the federal government get involved again? Do they screw the market up again? Because this is the most self-leveling market that is, uh, that's out there, the real estate market. It is just, um, it is pure supply and demand. That's how it runs. And if we leave it alone, it takes care of itself. And so that being such an important part of our economy, we certainly hope that um, the guys in the- Unfortunately, this uh, administration right now doesn't want to keep their hands off of, of real estate. Anything. Uh, we're already, seeing, hands we're already anything. seeing it happen in California, but we're hearing Biden talking about tearing buildings down, literally tearing buildings down to rebuild them so that they're, they're rebuilt green. That's just about the stupidest thing I've ever heard is tearing down functioning buildings just to rebuild them so that they can be a green building. Um, just kind of moving on a little bit. If you have just one focus, if you were planning on just being able to do foreclosures for 2022, uh, as you can see, this isn't going to be a strong investment segment for you. That doesn't mean you're not going to have plenty of foreclosures to work in your particular market, but we're not seeing a, a booming foreclosure at this moment. So if you've got just this trick in your bag, then you're going to, you're, you're hurting yourself. You're suffering because you're not able to take advantage of what are definitely going to be some better opportunities out there. Because if foreclosures aren't strong, that means something else is going to be strong. That means there's going to be another opportunity. And we've already talked about different opportunities. The other opportunities that are going to be strong or stronger or growing or even emerging that you need to understand how to take advantage of, you need to understand how to get involved in, you need to understand how to profit from. Well, and those that have been around for a while, either one of us, um, and you've heard me tell this story before. My first three and a half years in the business, all I did were HUD foreclosures. And I was like, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. It was just so easy. They were easy to negotiate. The prices were right. Everything just worked along very, very nicely. Well, the market changed. And in the course of a couple of months, that profit dried up. Now, what happened was we got a massive flood of people coming into that particular segment of the market and the inventory didn't change, but the pricing went up to the point that the profit was taking out, uh, taken out of the segment. 
And so I looked up one day and it was like, well, I can still buy these houses, but I can't make any money on them. So I was effectively out of business until I found a different strategy. And that was a, a very big lesson to learn, not being the one trick pony. We really have major focuses uh, in our business for you and I are, uh, right now, both our major focuses uh, are section eight, but you also are focusing on buying uh, vacation rentals. I'm still uh, doing flips, but the main focus is section eight. We're still playing in these other sub markets, if you will, uh, so that we're not all tied into one thing solely. Although if you're going to be tied in uh, for the now and the foreseeable future, which I think the foreseeable future is easily eight to 10 years in this marketplace, this segment of the market, section eight is where you want to be, in my opinion. Yeah, section eight is great. And if I had just focused on vacation properties when the pandemic hit, uh, we would have suffered because we were not able to rent those properties out during the pandemic. Yep. Literally, Airbnb, Verbo, uh, we got shut down. We weren't allowed to rent properties unless it was a resort or a hotel. Uh, so if I had had just one focus, if I had just had that one trick, just that that one strategy in my bag, then I'd be in the poorhouse because that would have been all of my income for roughly four months is when we were all shut down for that. So, yep. So yeah, we're coming up uh, at the end of the segment here, end of today's show. But the the key focus is one: don't be freaked out about the doom and gloom that you may hear about foreclosures because the numbers are not supporting that. And then the other thing is don't put all of your eggs in one basket. Have a main focus that may be 80 to 90% of your effort. And then there's still other things that you can do. They're still within the real estate market and we're still within the real estate world to help um, keep you in the flow of information so that Here's why I have people ask me all the time, do you have to become an agent to be a successful real estate investor? And the, the answer is absolutely not. Kevin is, I'm not. Uh, I never have been. But the one thing that agents have that is an advantage over the normal investor is the flow of information. And that's how we are able to make money is the information that we can get. Now, I have access because I own a brokerage form. Uh, so uh, that's very 2010. I bought a, a traditional firm. So uh, I have access to the MLS because of the ownership of the firm. But again, not required to be licensed for that. But that allows you the access to the information. And it's the information that uh, we get into that allows us to be able to see these trends. It also allows us to be able to know uh, what segment of the market is hot so that we can go ahead and pick up some great deals. Yeah. And honestly, you don't have to run right out and become an agent. One of the best resources that you have that anybody has if you're in a major metropolitan area is real estate clubs. Um, we, had real, we have real estate club tonight. In fact, we had a real estate club last night. We've got a real estate club tomorrow. Um, we have agents, brokers, uh, mortgage brokers. We have investors. We have contractors. We have everybody attending these particular events. These people are out there working in this market already. So even if you're new and you want to be able to tap into this information and this expertise, especially in the market that you're in, these are the people that you're going to talk to, you're going to want to network with. This is how you tap into that flow of information and information that's based upon experience because you've got agents that are out there selling houses and representing buyers and sellers. You've got contractors who are out there working with buyers and sellers and current homeowners. 
You've got people who are in the mortgage industry who happen to know about a new mortgage product uh, or have just themselves been able to access a mortgage product that maybe you didn't know about, but that they're excited about. This is where you tap into this information. You don't have to be an agent. Don't even worry about being an agent, but make sure you spend time at your local real estate club. And a lot of markets have multiple clubs. You don't have to go to every single oh, yeah. club. Find the yeah. one that's best for you. Find the one that has the most members, the most informed members, the best situation that you're most comfortable with and start attending that once, once a month or twice a month or whenever they happen to have it. Tap into that flow of information and start networking and start investing in real estate. I mean, Bill and I can't say this enough. The sooner you get started, the sooner you're going to be successful. The longer you wait, the the less money you're going to have overall. We are way over on our segment and way over on the show, which is actually odd because the last couple of shows we've done, we're, we're, we're pretty much right on time. Uh, thank you I for think joining we're us. We're the only ones that worry about that. But probably. Uh, thank you for joining us, and we will see you guys back here Thanks next Tuesday. And uh, happy investing, Bill. I'll see you later. Have a great weekend. If I'll talk yeah. to you before the weekend. You too, brother. See you now. Learn more about the Investor Guys podcast, including upcoming events and appearances at www.investorguyspodcast.com. That's www.investorguyspodcast.com.